Good morning. How are you all? Good, good, good. Um, so last week we uh, talked about what the purpose of prayer is, and we talked about how the purpose of prayer is developing a relationship with God. And this morning we're going to go kind of along the same lines, the same thing. We're going to be talking about developing a relationship with God. But this morning we're going to talk about how the key to escaping sin is by developing a relationship with God. So last week we talked about how to develop that relationship with God and how we do that is through prayer, spending time with God, our Heavenly Father. And this week we're going to talk about the importance of developing that relationship with your Father as it is the key to escaping sin. Let's pray. Father, uh, you're just such a wonderful God and we just thank you so much for that, God, as we just sang the wondrous cross, God, we, we can't thank you enough for that. We can't thank you enough for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, to die on that cross, God. I just thank you for bringing everyone here this morning, just letting us be able to set time apart to just wholly think about you and to worship you and praise you. And God, I just ask that you be with us this morning. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right, so as many of you guys know, as we showed a video earlier, many of us were at Summit. Raise your hand if you were at Summit last week. Woo! That's, that's a pretty good crowd here. It was, it was a good time. And so I was at Summit last week, and if I'm going to be honest, throughout the first couple of days at Summit, um, I was kind of wishing I could be at Southeast Camp. Uh, I had a lot of people very dear to me. Uh, a lot of my best friends were in, at Southeast Camp. My girlfriend, my little sister was able to go to Southeast Camp for her first year. My little cousin as well was able to go to Southeast Camp for their first year. And if I'm going to be honest, I was quite, and Kayla, can't forget about Kayla. And if I'm going to be quite honest, I was a bit sad, a bit jealous that they were able to go to Southeast Camp. I was able to go a couple years ago and I loved my time there. But throughout the week, I try to keep a positive attitude and just enjoy my time there. And it wasn't until the last night, Thursday night, that I was truly happy to be at Summit. And the reason for that, well, is Andrew Weaver, the director of the camp, he brings in many students. He's, uh, he's a math teacher, a fifth grade math teacher in an inner city at just a rough school from what I hear. And he brought these kids to the camp who just live in broken homes, broken families, rough upbringing, and they just live in broken circumstances, and they aren't really necessarily what we would call church kids. And these kids, they, they, they needed someone to love on them. And on that last night, we had a guest speaker, Tremaine, who was awesome, and he was talking about faith, and at the end of his message, he invited everybody to come up to the front and he invited them to come up to either dedicate or rededicate their lives to God. And what I saw next was amazing. It was inspiring. These kids who had this rough upbringing, who couldn't bear to sit next to each other, who would cuss and do all these bad things, and they just were not good kids. But these kids, they got up in the front. Nearly every single kid at Summit got up to the front when Tremaine invited them up to the front to dedicate their lives to Christ or to rededicate their lives. And these kids came up and they truly acted as a body of Christ. They acted 
as one body. They were crying, they were comforting each other, they were hugging each other. It's just a very sincere and sweet moment. And those same kids that cannot bear to be with each other, it was the same kids that were comforting one another. And we ask why? Why is there this big behavior change when all of a sudden these kids are coming together as one body? And I believe the answer to that is at that moment, at that moment when Tremaine invited them up to the front, those kids were actively seeking God. They were actively seeking to develop a relationship with God. And even though throughout the week, maybe their focus wasn't entirely on God and they would do some, some bad behavior. I know in my cabin who talked about these kids maybe weren't the best influence, but we still need to be good to them. But these kids were dedicating their lives to God and they were acting as one body because they were seeking God. They were seeking God and that is the key to escaping sin. And I saw that in the kids on Thursday night. Our focus should be on God. And we can see that this morning if we look into the book of John. John chapter 14. And we'll start in verse 15. Now what's taking place is Jesus, he just had uh, the Last Supper with his disciples, people who he was the closest to, and he, he got down on his knees and washed his disciples' feet, showed true service. And after the supper, uh, Jesus started to talk to them, and the disciples started to talk to him. And we see Jesus kind of preaching at his disciples. And we see in John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus says to his, to his disciples, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. He tells them, If you love me, you will keep my commandments commandments. And he continues to talk to them, and he continues to kind of preach at them. And we read in verse 21, Jesus again says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So again, Jesus states, whoever loves me will keep my commandments commandment. And whoever loves me will keep the commandment. And then Judas uh, asked, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not the world? And Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. So what we have here is Jesus didn't only say once, not twice, but three times. Three times he told his disciples in just a couple of verses that if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love Jesus, you will keep his commandments. And what I want you to take note is that Jesus doesn't say, if you love me, you should or you shall keep my commandments. No, he says, if you love me, you will It's a byproduct of loving Jesus is obeying him. If you truly love Jesus, then you will obey his commandments. And we see in verse 24 that Jesus says, And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. 
So Jesus, these words that he was saying, they were not his own words. They were words that the Father told him to speak to his disciples and speak to us. That if you love Jesus, you will keep his commandments. And if those are the Father's words as well, then we can equate that with God. If you love God, then you will keep his commandments. You will keep his commandments if you love God. And so we know that that love, that love for God is a byproduct of obedience. If we take this a step further into the book of Mark, Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 28. This is probably a passage that many of you guys are quite familiar with. Uh, The great commandment. What's going on here is uh, Jesus has the attention of the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders Um, In other words, Jesus has the attention of the top dogs, the top dogs who know the most about their Old Testament. And there's these two groups of Jews. There's the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees are known for being real legalistic about the law and being law. Their world was very black and white. And then you have the Sadducees, on the other hand, and what they're known for is that they didn't believe in the resurrection. You can easily remember that because they are sad, because they don't believe in the resurrection. How sad. They're the Sadducees. And so the Pharisees were trying to stump Jesus and the Sadducees as well. And so a Pharisee asked Jesus, Jesus, shall we pay taxes to Caesar? And Jesus replied, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's? And the Pharisees are like, wow, <laughs> he, he showed us. We tried to stump him, but he, he gave a good answer. And so the Sadducees were listening on in, and they're like, ha, the Pharisees can't stump him, but us Sadducees, we can stump We can stump out the resurrection. He believes in the resurrection. And so they asked Jesus about the resurrection, and Jesus basically pr- replies, God is not the God of the dead, but God is the God of the living. And so Jesus, these, these Pharisees and Sadducees are trying to stump Jesus, but Jesus replied in an excellent way. And we continue the story in verse 28. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he, Jesus, answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Now it's generally thought that this scribe was genuinely wanting to know what the greatest commandment was. He saw that Jesus answered well. And although the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they they tried to stump him, this scribe, this teacher, he truly wanted to know what the greatest commandment was. And so Jesus answered in verse 29. The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So what we have here is a scribe asking Jesus what the most important commandment is. Now this is no small feat either. There are 613 Jewish commandments or laws in the Old Testament. And this scribe was asking Jesus the single most important commandment of all 613. This is no small feat for Jesus. But Jesus answered The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God. So what Jesus says here is the most important commandment that you can follow is that you know and love God. Many people leave out, uh, in the the Mark version, uh, he 
Jesus, before he says, love the Lord your God, he says the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's one of the reasons why I love this denomination in particular. We, there are people who are passionate, passionate about the truth that, yes, God is one. And that's the truth we all need to know. Jesus says that's the most important. And he also connects that with that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. So Jesus says the most important thing that we can do is to know God and love God. Or in other words, to develop that relationship with God. We need to develop that relationship with God of all the commandments that Jesus could have said, all the thou shalt not, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not commit adultery. All these laws, Jesus picked the single one out. He knew the importance of developing that relationship with God. He knew the importance of getting to know who God is and then in turn loving God and developing that relationship with God. Now, unfortunately, when dealing with the law, um, a lot of people focus too much on the thou shalt nots. They focus too much on what not to do. And I, I myself uh, find myself doing that, that at times. I'm trying to live a good and holy and righteous life. And how do I do that? I try to like, well, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And I can't do this. And it comes out that I can't really do much. And a lot of people have that problem of focusing on what you can't do to try and live a holy life. But I believe that's the wrong attitude to have. As Jesus said, the most important commandment was not to consider all the thou shalt nots, all the things that we can't do, but the most important thing that we can do is to develop that relationship with God. Don't worry about what you can't do. When you develop that relationship with God, when you love God, you will. You will keep his commandments. Jesus' own words. It's like driving. How many of us are able to drive, took driver's education? When I was in uh, driving school, they teach you when you're driving, you drive on the right, right side of the road, and they tell you to focus on what's ahead of you. Focus on the road. Don't really focus in on the oncoming traffic coming your way. Because if you notice, when you focus on that oncoming traffic, the stuff that you're not supposed to hit, if you're looking at it, often you'll find you'll veer off to the left a bit. And if you're focusing on what you're not supposed to hit, the chances of you actually hitting that object increase as you're focused on that and you start to veer towards that. And it's the same way with the law. If we're focused on what we shouldn't be doing, then it goes through our mind. When we're focused on what we shouldn't do, it comes to our mind. And when, we, when we're thinking about it, it becomes a desire. And when a desire is conceived, it becomes sin. So we shouldn't, we shouldn't be focused on what not to do. And I'll demonstrate that to you guys. When we focus on what not to do, it brings it to mind. So I'll demonstrate that. So I have one objective for you guys. One very clear and simple objective. And to do this objective, you can do whatever you need. You can stand, you can lay down, jump, sing, close your eyes, whatever. And this one objective is within the next 10 seconds, you shall not think of unicorns. All right, go. Remember, you shall not think of unicorns. All right, 
Time's up. I said that was about 10 seconds. All right, now let's be honest. How many of you guys thought of unicorns? Raise your hand. Wow. Pretty much all of you guys. That's pretty disappointing. I gave you one clear order, one, one simple rule. How could you guys misunderstand that? The problem is you guys didn't misunderstand that. It's because we had the wrong focus. We were focused on what we shouldn't do. And when I told you guys to focus on what you shouldn't do, <laughs> I imagine that's the one thing you guys could think of. I imagine you guys couldn't think of a unicorn jumping in little la-la land or whatever. And, but that's the one thing I told you guys not to do. And that's the same thing when it comes to sin in the law. When we're so focused on what we shouldn't be doing, it comes to our mind. And again, when it comes to our mind, it becomes a desire. And when that desire is conceived, it becomes sin. Now, I have one more example. How many of you guys have siblings? Well, as I mentioned earlier, I have my little sister here. And now some children just are not the brightest. And uh, so when we're all sitting in the living room and uh, someone will say, I'm getting up real quick, but don't take my seat. Whatever you do, don't take my seat. Now, how many of you guys are going to take their seat? I know I will. <laughs> if, if your sibling would just be quiet and not say, don't take my seat, chances are you're just going to respect their seat. But it's because they focus you in on what not to do. You can't help but think about that. And then that desire comes out. And when that desire comes, you can't help but act on it sometimes. And now Paul demonstrates this in the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Paul very clearly states, as he writes to the church in Philippi, he says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now notice here, Paul doesn't say, think of the things we shouldn't be doing. Think of not committing adultery. Think of not committing murder. Think of not lying to your friends. Think of not stealing. No, Paul doesn't say that. Paul says to focus on the good things. Paul says to focus and think about the things that are worthy of praise. And let me tell you, our daddy, our Heavenly Father, who loves us and cares about us, He is worthy of praise. He is worthy of praise. He is excellent. He is true. He is honorable. He is just. He is pure. He is lovely. And He is commendable. That is our God. That is our Heavenly Father. So Paul tells us to think Constantly have God in your mind. When I think back to that Thursday night, that service, when Tremaine invited the, the kids to come up, and these kids had immaculate reaction to this invitation to, de to dedicate their lives to Christ. These same kids who could not say clean words, who had potty mouths, who would not stop beating each other up, who wouldn't stop arguing, who could barely sit next to each other. Those same kids... We're seeking God 
And they were loving on one another. They were hugging one another. They were comforting one another. They were praying with one another. And again, that reason is because at that time, at that moment when Tremaine invited them to dedicate their lives to Christ, they were focused on God. God was on their mind. Now I know with my cabin of boys, uh, I had to tell my boys, hey, be quiet, or hey, be respectful of others, don't say mean things. The kids don't really react well to that. They're, not, they're thinking about those things. That's, that's not the best thing for them. The best thing for them to avoid doing that is not telling them they can't do that, but the best thing is to gear their focus towards God. When you gear your focus on God, and when you focus on developing that relationship with God, those evil thoughts, they, they won't be present in your mind those evil desires, they won't be present when you are actively seeking God because Jesus says that if you love him, you will keep his commandment. And those aren't Jesus' words, those are God's words. So if you love God, you will keep his commandments. If you love them, obeying is just a byproduct of love. If you love God, you will obey him. The focus needs to be on God. The focus shouldn't be on the thou shalt nots. Now, how many of you guys have ever heard someone say, you're your father's kid? I hear that. The older, the older I get, the more time I hang out with my dad, the more I find I'm becoming more and more like my dad. So keep me on your prayers. <laughs> Kidding, he's a great man. But uh, <laughs> John talks about this in the book of John. So you can flip back to me in John chapter 8. John chapter 8, we're going to start in verse 42. John is uh, writing about this. Jesus is talking to the Jews who believed him, and the Jews had some questions. And uh, we see in verse 42 of John chapter 8, Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I'm here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God, hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Wow, that's a strong passage right there. Jesus says that if you are one with God, if you spend time with God, you are of your heavenly Father. You are the child of God. But on the flip side, Jesus says, if you're, if you're thinking of these evil thoughts, if these evil thoughts are conceiving and becoming sin, if that's what you're focused on, then you are a child of the devil. Your father is the devil. Jesus had the boldness to tell these Jews that your father is the devil. That's strong. That's strong. 
when we focus in on sin and we aren't focused in on God, it's times like that where Jesus told people that you belong to the devil. Now that can be scary. That can be a scary thought because all of us have sin in our lives. No one is perfect. And some of us uh, may find ourselves in a continuous cycle of sin. It seems like that no matter what you do, you can't help but stay in that cycle of sin. You tried everything in the books. You tried everything. You tried everything not to do, but you can't just help staying in that cycle of sin. And some of you guys may doing a, be doing a great job right now seeking God and developing that relationship with him, but we all make mistakes. We all can drift away from God at times. And whether or not you're going through that time right now or in the future, just focus. Just remember this one thing. Focus on God. If you develop your relationship with God, you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed. You won't even have to try, but the sin will leave your life. You won't have to try. You just have to focus on developing your relationship with your Heavenly Father. All the energy that you put in to trying to stop sinning, put that energy into developing the relationship with God. Because as Jesus says, if you love Him, if you love God, then guess what? You will obey His commandments. You will obey. You will not sin. If you love God, if you are actively seeking and developing a relationship with God, you will not sin. You will obey his commands. But it's those times when God comes out of our mind, we're thinking about other things. It's those times those evil thoughts come and we act on that. And that's when we sin. And so you alone, unfortunately, can't really get out of sin. But I have some good news for you. Some great news. You do have a daddy out there. You do have a heavenly father up in heaven watching you, caring about you, caring about your every move, who loves you, who loves you so much that as we sang the wondrous cross, God sent his son to die on that wondrous cross. We talked about last week, God sent his son to die on that cross. Why? Because of you. Because God loves you. And God is capable of all things. And God can, God can lead you out of sin. What you need to do is you need to seek God. You need to develop that relationship with God. Seek that help from your heavenly Father. We'll close with just one last verse, Romans 6, 23. It's one of my favorite verses. <clears throat> Romans 6.23 reads, For the wages of sin is death. And now what bothers me about this verse is that many people quote this verse, many people know this verse, and many people, it bugs me, many people when they quote this, they stop there. It's sad, but it's true. The wages of sin are, are death. We all sin, we all do deserve death. That's sad, yes, but I'm a positive person. It bothers me as people leave out the second part of the verse, the best part. For the wages of sin is death. But, there's a but there. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can I get an amen? 
We have the free gift of eternal salvation. All we need to do is accept that gift. The way we accept that gift is by developing that relationship with our Heavenly Father because our relationship with our God, that's the key to escaping sin. And once we escape that sin, we can accept that gift because God gave us that free gift of eternal salvation. Can I get another amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for that free gift, that free gift of eternal salvation through Christ. God, we are sorry. We are sorry when we sin. We all sin. We're not perfect. But God, thank you. Thank you for that sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, to die on that cross, that we could have that free gift. We don't deserve that, Father, but thank you. Thank you, God. I just ask that you be with us. Please, help our focus be on you. We know you love us. And just help us return that love to you. God, just thank you for everything that you do. And we love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.